I've been wondering, do you think when Joe Biden threatens to fight someone, does he say, put up your dukes and then kind of like spin his fists around like an old tiny boxer? <laughs> like in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou when he goes to fight the new suitor? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, do you yeah. think he tries to show off his footwork? Do you think he does a little, a little river dance <laughs> thing while he kind of gets bit. ready to fight? Uh-huh. Yeah, he probably says it's time, it's time for fisticuffs, old Joe, and then puts him up. <laughs> <laughs> he grows a mustache and twirls it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, sna- he snaps his suspenders before going into battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should make a presidential fighting game where they all have like specials and little idol animations they do. Joe Biden mm. could snap suspenders. Uh, Donald Trump could like drink a Diet Coke to refuel his health or something. <laughs> yeah, like Marvel versus Capcom, but it could be like Marvel versus the U.S. presidents. <laughs> I'm imagining Trump walking like one of the like wrestling type guys in Ninja Turtles sh- mm-hmm. um, beat him up where they're mm-hmm. like walking with their whole arms out, you know? Yeah, I feel like he probably does. Like, remember all those pictures of Trump standing and it's like, why does his, his the top half right. of his body always looks like he's a centaur? He's just like <laughs> thrusting it all forward. <laughs> Well, people have asked there. I think we asked on the show once, like, do you think Trump has ever broken into a run? And mm. I think the answer is like, he doesn't even power walk. Like, I don't <laughs> think so. I remember he, he like, has he ever run? It I'm was sure like, he's ever when he was a kid. He, right? he, yeah. he play, I think he played sports as a kid, but he had some really weird take about exercise <laughs> where he like told a friend who was, running, oh, yeah. who was running marathons that it's like by doing that, he was like shortening the lifespan of his heart or whatever, because he was going to like wear out his body and he was like you got to not exercise so your body can last a nice long time that's why i don't do math because you can only have so many thoughts in a lifetime i don't want to burn them all up (laughs) yeah that's why i'm never going to watch one piece it's like every one of those episodes is going to like take up space in my brain that i can't put anything else in it's just going to be in there what's one oh one piece is the anime yeah yeah it's like 900 episodes yeah or something i think it and, and and bleach are like the two famously incredibly long anime series Mm-hmm. I keep seeing I don't actually know enough about it to know if this is some kind of like inside joke but I, I see people being like I'm caught up on one piece and I don't know if people are actually like I'm going to binge one piece from the beginning or if they're jokingly being like yeah I read like the dictionary from front to back of course I didn't <laughs> catch up on one piece yeah I'm going to catch up on one piece and uh, war and peace while I'm at it Maybe just <laughs> yeah. knock them both <laughs> I feel like war people, and peace would take people. you less time than Probably watching 900 episodes of an anime yeah <laughs> Uh, according to wikipedia mm-hmm. or acor- i guess this is comicbookreader.com or whatever mm, wow sounds unbiased <laughs> it's not biased that's what uh, i said i said it sounds unbiased um removing two and a half minutes from each episode for the theme songs of uh, 1040 episodes lasts a total of 381 hours. <laughs> Holy 381 shit. hours. So yeah. weeks. It's weeks of continuous video. Yeah, yeah. Isn't a week like 160 something hours? Like, it's 15 days. It's 15.9. Like tw- 24 hours. It's almost days. 16 days. It's 15.9 yeah. days. Like you could yeah. go to summer camp and start <laughs> one piece at the beginning. And even while you're sleeping, just leave it running. And you would get done with summer camp and you would still have a day and a half of One Piece left. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I there's no way a War good. and Peace audiobook is that. <laughs> yeah, what if it's just the greatest show of all time and we'll never find out? I mean, I, I listened to an extremely long audiobook recently and it was like 18 hours, but that's mm-hmm. nothing compared to two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah, War and Peace is only 61 hours and six minutes. And like audiobooks, they read it a little laboriously and slowly. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's nice because you get... But it's like the country had been plunged once more into <laughs> war. Like I could read that sentence in my head a lot faster than how, how fast I read it. Right, Th- right. That's still it, impressive, though. That's like three days. 
Yeah, that's true. That's that's a lot of listening. That's like I've listened to every podcast in existence, and I need something else to listen to. How about War and Peace? <laughs> I could read War and Peace. <laughs> you just don't want to. <laughs> I just don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I could I could have read War and Peace, but I would have decked the first drill sergeant who yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> I could have read it, but the coach wouldn't put me in. He thought the uh, freshman was better to read War and Peace, so I wasn't allowed to. Yeah, if I read the other team a chance. (laughs) (laughs) If I read War and Peace, 9 11 would have gotten down a little differently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It would have been 9 10, maybe even 9 9. (laughs) Mark Wahlberg peeking his head out from behind a copy of War and Peace where he's on the second page and being like, well, I got to put this down. Stop a terrorist attack. Speaking of beating the terrorists, welcome to Beep Beep Lettuce, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Hello. We are firmly in the 200s on episodes now. This is your episode 201, and we have John, Chris, and Bryn here today to what talk up? to you about uh, Tucker Carlson, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess well, we're just it. doing a show where we watch absolute fucking mentally ill people <laughs> just <laughs> act like idiots and laugh at them, I guess. Yeah, what else yeah. can you do in America? It's everywhere you turn, people do that stuff. I mean, I just I hate Tucker Carlson so much, but this this clip from him is such a fucking banger. Um, yes, the the one my dude was on one tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. We that? should watch this, and then we should watch the other one. Okay. All right. John has been telling me to watch this, so let's. Why do they hate nicotine? Because nicotine frees your mind. No. No. <laughs> oh, if only the government would tell my kids they're fat. You can't even get the planes to take <laughs> off on time. Oh, you're obsessed with gas stoves. No, you're What's obsessed this voice with gas stoves, buddy. <laughs> It's well, this is a super cut. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the culture wars. There were all from one episode. Wars. Culture wars. <laughs> <laughs> culture wars. <laughs> yeah, he he does these weird kind of little like yelly, high pitched screeches Incandescent to make fun ball. of people. Also <laughs> on the way out. Now you're stuck with some glowy fluorescent crap. Come and take it. <laughs> the country has banned shower heads and toilets. Oh, have some more weed. <laughs> I would like to have some more weed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> no more nicotine for you. You're safe the planet what are you gonna come up with a titanium straw what got any ideas in that carmella harris hmm. shut up carmella what, what did he mean by carmella is person getting her name okay. wrong to be a dick <laughs> he's like she's a she's a mobster's wife like from the spring yeah <laughs> oh is that what he means carmella? maybe no who knows maybe he's just like slightly mispronouncing her name to like assert dominance or something <laughs> And then, yeah, at the very beginning of that clip, you heard him say, like, nicotine frees your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other clip that we have from Twitter is, like, the full segment of that. Because at the end of it, he just says, they hate nicotine. They love THC. Why do they hate nicotine? Because nicotine frees your mind. And THC <laughs> makes you compliant and passive. And Frees your mind to do what? <laughs> I just... what. Nicotine doesn't free your fucking mind. Nicotine is like the most habit forming. Like that's all it does is form habits, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I smoked heavily for almost a decade and it does not do anything of the sort. It makes you just feel really angry when you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even really do anything. It's just like the feeling of not wanting it anymore when you smoke it is great. Mm hmm. It's, yeah. it's not even really like a high. You don't feel really like, wow, 
I feel so good. You just don't feel like you're, it's like, um, it's like you put a monkey on your back just so that you can sh- shrug it off once in a while and go, Oh, I'm so glad I got rid of that monkey. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine if smoking just when you didn't have one for an hour, it felt like you had to take a shit really bad, mm-hmm. like really bad, like you're going to shit your pants. And then smoking another one just feels like taking a shit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the the sort of cycle where huh. it's just like I feel like it could be accomplished by just like drinking a lot of like Benefiber and Metamucil. Well, it's not you're stuff. not actually taking a shit. I know, I know. Not- but I'm just <laughs> saying if you want the feeling of like I really have to shit and then shitting, you could just like you could create that. <laughs> I guess that's a little less convenient. You can't be like, sorry, boss, going on a one minute shit break and then just go like drop a huge one in the bathroom. You don't want to be shitting every hour. I don't. Yeah, that nothing- seems bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but excuse, I, uh, excuse me, uh, I I, I got to step off the floor and drop a Marlboro Red. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. I'm realizing like mm-hmm. what the cycle of smoking is like because it does feel great well, to it's smoke like, uh, another cigarette because mm-hmm. it has this sort of release feeling. But what it actually gives you isn't a good feeling. It's just a negative feeling to end. Mm. Yeah, it's like checking your Facebook notifications. Mm. It's very yeah. similar to smoking a cigarette. <laughs> or Twitter. Yeah. Or any kind of notification, really. Is this a new observation? (laughs) Addictive substances are like websites. (laughs) Yeah, we're really on the cutting edge here. Well, it's just so funny because like I I reposted this on on Twitter and somebody got in my replies and they were like blasting SIGs to free my mind and do interstellar travel. (laughs) It's just like I can't who who watches this and believes it? Because that was what really like made what crossed my mind when I saw this is because like Tucker Carlson is the polar opposite of his audience. Like the people who are watching him mm-hmm. on right. Fox news are he's a like, rich fancy boy who doesn't do, he almost certainly does not smoke cigarettes. Yeah, There's no yeah. way he's blasting cigs ever. I mean, does, do, does he show his hands? Let's see how soft those motherfuckers are. <laughs> oh yeah, Milky You've never blasted a cig outside a production facility at 3.30 a.m., Tucker, and it shows. <laughs> ever. <laughs> in your life. Yeah, what does Tucker ever do at 3.30 a.m.? Like, he's probably just in a huge feather bed sleeping at 3.30 a.m. every day since he was born. Yeah, he's he's sleeping in some kind of like preservative mucus that <laughs> like the ruling class keeps him in so he can continue to hoot like a baboon on Fox News yeah, for well, 80 more years. One of those like those one of those like flesh pain reducer beds from Crimes of the Future. <laughs> that weird like bone bed. Yeah. It's just like he's twitching around. <laughs> um, that would yeah, explain I don't, a lot. I, I mean, I feel like I don't watch this show and I would never put myself through such ridiculousness uh but i i uh i wouldn't watch ridiculousness either that show on mtv <laughs> um, <laughs> that show's really boring what all, is that rob not rob cordry i don't know some rob guy yeah it's on at the gym sometimes as far as i can tell all they do <laughs> is react to internet videos right uh it's like tosh.0 but with a less funny guy yeah <laughs> but not even like tosh.0 at least he like hosts it and does like interstitial like scripted stuff as far as i can tell ridiculousness they just like watch a video of a guy tripping over a cat and falling on his head and they're like, I would hate if that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I could just watch my my favorite streamer react to Unusual Memes 32 compilation. If you don't laugh, you don't have a soul. <laughs> yeah, you laugh, you lose. Yeah, you laugh, you lose. I laugh the video. And, like, I've seen them all. And like, yeah. you know, I'm getting older. So sometimes I do need some young person to curate my memes for me. 
But I kind of miss the days when America's Funniest Home Videos was interesting because those were videos that people mailed there from their yeah, houses. Yeah, they wanted them to be seen. <laughs> I never yeah. would have seen them any other way. I can go look <laughs> any of this shit up on YouTube any old time. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing about... Uh, favorite my favorite memory about America's Funniest Home Videos is that at the end of the show, they'd be like, put a VHS tape in a padded envelope and put 10 <laughs> stamps on it. It like told you how many stamps you had, had to mail it. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. We, were like, um, we really want your videotapes. We promise just for the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never thought about what a weird job it must have been to be the like team involved in just like receiving those. And then I don't know, filing them i guess it, someone probably just watches them all and then puts them into categories of like babies animals uh yeah. re- rejected for too sexual rejected <laughs> for too violent yeah. rejected for racism the weird <laughs> caveman like precursor to like facebook content moderators basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you just decide what ends up on television out of this i what and like that's what i'd really like to see is all the tapes they fucking rejected Oh, I'd like man. to see like all the weirdest because I bet there's really funny stuff in there. They just are like, we can't show this. <laughs> this one go, uh, that would be one of the best like buried on YouTube finds ever. It was just like an, an hours long compilation of rejected American Funniest Home Videos tapes yeah. that someone just uploaded. There's some lost media for you. Lost mm-hmm. media YouTubers. Instead yeah. of farting around trying to find some obscure Barney tape, why don't you find me the like number of VHS tapes I would need several forklifts to lift <laughs> that are just left <laughs> over at, at America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like Tucker Carlson, I would never see the show, but how often do you think that this show is just, here's what they don't want you to do mm-hmm. and you are living in a totalitarian uh, like dictatorship because they're banning gas or cigarettes or m&ms mm-hmm. or i feel what? like it's every episode because just because i mean the m&m example is the perfect like the fact that he had to go on a rant to be like they're making the m&ms less sexy is like they're digging deep every episode to find <laughs> something to be like here's how the woke mafia is trying to control your life and make your life bad well i mean like he's kind of running up against what right-wing talk show hosts on like am radio used to run up against which is that he's just on air a lot and you Mm -hmm. need to fill time with bullshit because doesn't he doesn't he do a show in the morning and one in the afternoon yeah as Mm -hmm. well well i hear that's right here it's a lot of two shows a day five days a week that's crazy yeah that's so much content like what are you (laughs) even talking about yeah some days you know sure sometimes the woke mob is like you have to respect my pronouns and you're like okay a new thing to talk about but they've talked about pronouns enough i'm sure they don't really have much more to say so sometimes it's just like i don't know cigarettes candy what's going on (laughs) with candy well it's like well, now they're just like railing against any regulation at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of anything. Yep. Like now it's just like, did you know they banned asbestos? <laughs> A thing that we about great men who built this country used to build the foundation of their fortunes. And you can't even use it anymore. They're yeah. taking away your pl- <laughs> they're taking away your ladder to the top. In the America I love, we we get rid of seat belts and bring back lawn darts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the seat belts one is Live so, like men. <laughs> wasn't that like a, a legitimate like anti-regulation protest that they like didn't want it to be required to put seatbelts in cars? Or was mm-hmm. it they didn't yeah, want to be oh, yeah. people didn't want to be forced to wear their seatbelts or something? Yeah, it's a restriction of my liberty to shatter my fucking collarbone <laughs> and die. Oh, this fucking country. Well, but it's that's, like, but it's I so think... 
it's so funny to me too because like the conservatives who watch Tucker Carlson are always complaining. They're like, oh, "We can't remember everything. I can't remember your fucking pronouns. I can't remember your fu- your fucking name. I can't remember all this 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 woke stuff. I'm supposed to know which words not to say." But they have like a a, a perfectly cataloged list of like, "Okay, make the M and M sexy again. Uh, put my guns on my stove and light the stove. Check. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, go outside and, and roll coal in my modified truck." check like they they know all the things that they're supposed to do but they claim to not be able to remember like uh you can't even say hi to a pretty lady in america anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh yep probably you can't buddy the fact that you're complaining about it this much i don't think you should be they told me i wasn't allowed to talk to the girl at the burger king anymore after the sixth time i went to her house with a gun <laughs> uh, i told her she was as sexy as the green m&m used to be and she said please leave me alone that line that's the first time it failed <laughs> it's also the first time i tried <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a little too easy to make fun of conservatives, so uh, let's make fun of regular liberals for a second. All <laughs> Let's shoot the fish in the other barrel. The boring um, liberals. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this is a this is about Pete Buttigieg, and uh, this is a story in levernews.com where they have info that says United Airlines CEO said airlines are selling seats for flights they can't staff, but Buttigieg hasn't acted on state officials' demand that oh he cracked down. And so we basically have like a, a, a soft admission by the head of United Airlines who is saying like Buttigieg is basically allowing us to run this this business practice that resulted in the massive uh holiday cancellations that fucked you know tons and tons of americans over who were trying to get where they were going or get home and it seems like that was basically allowed to happen on purpose because you know for reasons unknown pete Buttigieg is more sympathetic to the bosses at the airlines than the american people (laughs) shocker (laughs) i can't believe this yeah and it's like you know it's weird also that like because he's the secretary of transportation right and it's like people talk a lot about like buses like city buses and like you know amtrak we're gonna get make amtrak better and stuff you mean trains trains they're always talking about trains they're always talking about trains and buses but they don't they never talk about planes because they don't want you to think about the fact that like we just assume you should have to fly everywhere and we should have to rely on these gigantic private companies like isn't it so weird that like well the the most major transportation industry in the united states besides car manufacturers is a bunch of private plane industry (laughs) right well i mean like you know you do have to fly to europe (laughs) sure (laughs) you can't get there Uh from here you can get on a liner Uh, yeah and i mean if we if we're going to continue having a globalized globe uh you know a world where you know, we all are in contact with each other and we mm-hmm. have to sometimes see each other from different places. Like you do need planes to exist. Like, like in my opinion, in a if you are a, you know, if you want to go all like whatever, like commie numtot or whatever, like you can imagine <laughs> sure. a world where cars just aren't allowed. Like, yeah. you know, you can even when you get down to like shipping or trans, you know, um, you know, transporting large, you know, cargo. You can imagine a world where you've built the infrastructure to ship things that you don't really need 
individual operated cars. You think cargo is going to get somewhere without a car <laughs> that goes? It's right in the name, Bryn. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there there's railway systems. Mm. There's trains. There there's a. Uh, it's not called rail go. It's not called plane go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. There's lots of different things, but planes do have to exist, I sure. think. But they've always been privatized. Mm-hmm. Like, we've never lived in a world where any nation was like, yeah, we'll have our own fleet of com- like commercial airliners, right? Because it's just so expensive to run, to create. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just basically always been tied to the defense infrastructure. Um, like, it's still Boeing, you know? who's mm-hmm. making all the planes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I feel like people kind of just assume that they would just nationalize planes and that's all that would change. <laughs> but I also don't know if that's exactly how it would work either. It is weird too, because planes have to travel to other countries. So it's like, you almost need to like globalize them, not nationalize them exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I mean, I guess you could sort of like have an agreement with like companies or other countries to land your plane at their airport. but. Yeah, it's strange because you'd have to be like sending them all over the world. So then like whose jurisdiction are they under once they're over there? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, China runs their three biggest airlines uh, through the state, but they run them as companies, right? It's not like directly right. state administrated. It's state owned airline companies, which is interesting. Uh it's a model that probably works great for China. I think if you tried to implement it in the United States, there would not be any kind of checks <laughs> on the corruption system. Of like, course not. It, it, would, it would function exactly the same way as it does now. It's just like, it really fucking sucks because it's like, I feel like people are still fooled by guys like Buttigieg. Like, he's still an unbelievably popular public figure. They have him sure? on MSNBC all the time. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, like, but it's like it, it would it would be nice if we even had like a modicum of regulation instead of just being like, you know what, actually canceling tons and tons of flights and just stranding Americans wherever they're at during the holidays is totally fine. And uh, I I'm calling it now. The exact same fucking thing is going to happen again next year. It'll probably be worse. <laughs> of course. Why well, they're not going to do anything? It's going to get worse. It is funny in this article because like like you said, John the the quote about like how the sort of admission about how airlines are doing this comes mm-hmm. from the CEO of United. And it, but it's, and then it's the articles like he's, he mentioned that his own company's services are far more reliable thanks to investment in computers and staffing or something. <laughs> so it's almost like a way for him to like try to burn the competition and be like, well, with United, you wouldn't have these problems, but the other guys, they are selling too many uh, tickets for a flight. We would never do that though. Wait, wait United it. did do it. I'm sure they did, yeah. Yeah. Later oh, in the wait, artic- I'm just saying, I thought that this article was about United doing it. Well, he, like, I don't know. He's sort of vague, and I feel like he's, like, the fact that he drops that in at the end, he's kind of trying to be like, well, that's less of a problem. Yeah, it says, adding that his own company's services was far more reliable thanks to investments in staffing and technology. More so reliable, like, though. So he's, he's yeah. saying, like, we, we all know. do it. My company does it less, and that's why less, you should yeah. choose much. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, John. I feel like your your point about like Buttigieg is the kind of guy who can go on MSNBC and like people will be excited to see him or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like there, there's you know there's a there's a the vast majority of Americans aren't really watching either of these networks like Fox or MSNBC, but there are like millions of people who are like I'm a devoted vote blue no matter who liberal. But right. at the end of the day their view of politics isn't really different than someone who watches Tucker Carlson. Like they're both people who just watch 
the, the TV show with the characters that they like and that they have an emotional response to. And Buddha judge says some dumb nonsense about like how we're going to fix the airline industry or something. And they're like, great. He's really yeah. trying. He's or got something. it. He's, he's got it under control. He's going to solve it. Or, or they barely even like think about it. They're not even like, Hmm, why isn't the secretary of transportation <laughs> fixing transportation? They just watch and they're like, Oh my God, how much uh, gay sex do you think him and Chasen have been having lately? <laughs> well, he has kind of so the woke. Same, he's like the same energy as like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Like no matter how many times he comes out and embarrasses himself with grade A clown shit, people are <laughs> still going to look at him and, and he's going to fit the bill for like a, a respectable, thoughtful, and circumspect public figure you can trust. <laughs> <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson is such a funny public figure because like... I mean, I, I guess he did get canceled technically at some point, but it also feels no, like... he didn't. Well, he got, like, in trouble for being creepy to women or something. But I'm just thinking of the fact that, like... Did he? he? Yeah. yeah. For, he was, like, looking at someone's... Uh, That's the one thing, though, right? Tattoo. But that was, like, on very niche websites. It, yeah, it was... I, I'm just thinking of the fact that, <laughs> like... He didn't have to, like, reply to that, right? Yeah. No, I'm just thinking of the fact that, like, he has become... He used to be someone that people were like, this guy is so cool. And then... I feel like a lot of people are like, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the most annoying nerd out there. Yeah. Not because of any one thing, but just because he keeps doing the same thing over and over again in the most annoying way. Yeah. That people are like, I'm just fed up with this. Why don't you stop? Stop it's, ruining things. It's kind of interesting because there used to be like a, a like science and behavioral science and psychology, like kind of popularization crew. And all of the liberal ones, like, like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Michio Kaku, kind of just fell off because nobody was interested anymore like everybody was like yeah i think these guys are just a bunch of fucking idiots and they all contradict <laughs> each other and themselves and all the right-wing ones like your your steven pinkers and your richard dawkins is they mm -hmm. all just went like straight up fash grifter route yeah. after a little right. while mm -hmm. and i think that kind of left the the normie liberal ones kind of unmoored they were like is there a market for big think interviews still? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, could, I could do a TEDx talk maybe about stars. I don't know. You guys yeah, want that? I'll, I'll, I'll come to University of Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach, whatever, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel there's got to be some like level of like, uh, I, I feel like his problem, he just like couldn't stop tweeting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like there's... That happened to Richard Dawkins too. That's true. You just kept tweeting about... about just, no one wants your opinions on things that are not your expertise, man. What was his big... Remember he had a big meltdown about how like the TSA took a jar of honey from him and he was just like <laughs> ranting about how like terrorists were winning because he didn't have his honey now? <laughs> Richard Dawkins? Yeah, I don't remember. No, what, I don't Al-Qaeda Al wants me to not have honey. When Osama, <laughs> when Osama gave the order, he said... Richard Dawkins isn't going to have anything sweet for his toes. <laughs> we don't and want also, I'm oh, going to ruin your economy. We don't we don't want good upstanding British men to be able to have honey. I really thought I was like exaggerating, but here's the tweet from 2013. Bin Laden has won in airports of the world every day. I had a little jar of honey, now thrown away by rule-bound dundridges. Stupid waste. Stupid is in all caps. <laughs> I don't know what a dundridge is, probably a a fool. It's, it's a, just a, I mean, Dawkins has the energy of a dude who memorizes obscure words just to whip them out and of like course. look mm -hmm. smarter. Like he's not yeah. somebody who's actually interested in etymology or like using the most appropriate word at the most appropriate time. Like he could have just said like fools or whatever a fucking dundridge is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like I've, what I was trying to say about Tucker is that it's just like there's this sense that 
It's all outrage. Mm-hmm. All the time. But I feel like the en- it's towards the end of like having some sort of purpose mm-hmm. in your life. Like, I don't know what this is. I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to sell these people. Like, there's got to, like, we clearly live already in a world where you're restricted in many ways mm-hmm. that you are not free to do anything, to have, you know, health care, to, ha- to, yeah. to have freedom of movement, to, you so, know, go wherever you want, to not have to, you know, be taxed a bazillion dollars, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, you're not free in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you can't, there's like a market for outrage, but it has to be directed back towards the state, like the, the you know, like trusting mm-hmm. in the ruling elite somehow. So it just feels like the only thing you're allowed to release your anger at is just the stupidest bullshit mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. It's like it's like a volkishness, but instead of like a like a mythical German identity, it's like we want the sexy green M M&M and M back, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, we can really what... be Americans again. <laughs> but I don't know. Are people really feeling this at all? Like, are they? I I, I think it's just that like you can't really. Like at this point, like you said, we already live in a very restricted and conservative society. So if you're like you're in the conservative wing of propaganda, then what are you actually like trying to sell people on? And how do you really sell sell the actual material reality of it to poor people? Because if you actually were just explaining how politics works in America and who really controls things to Tucker Carlson viewers, I think eventually some of them would be like, wait, this is all fucked up and exploiting me like i don't i don't think they become communists overnight or anything but like they wouldn't stay on board with like we should vote for rich people like donald trump so i feel like you just need some kind of like vague animus you just sort of need like a negative about your opposition to be like democrats want to do xyz and we don't and then people are like well i'll vote for the people who don't want to do the bad stuff rather than like promising anything good because they have nothing good to offer yeah it's interesting because it's like a lot of people will say things like um you know you would have to be an idiot you would have to be so stupid to to listen to Tucker Carlson. But I think the real way to understand it is like people aren't stupid. That's why they need Tucker Carlson to go out there and say that shit two times a day, five days a week on the television. Mm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right, because they, they stop saying it. They'd be like, wait, do I care about M&Ms? I don't, not really. I don't think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked runts better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it's a it's a constant confusion machine. Like it's like there needs to be this 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 machine that catches the people who want answers mm-hmm. right like the people i feel like yeah. the the people who recognize that their life is meaningless that they're constantly just being used for their labor like it's impossible not to look at your life and be like why did why do I, why is it like this mm-hmm. and so they want to go and watch the news you know some sort of political commentary about like what can i do or what can i where can I put this anger? And there must be a machine that takes all of those people and makes it be like, direct that feeling anywhere else. Yeah. Well, like, is, do is not it think any... about the relationship to your employer. Do not think about the relationship mm-hmm. to your, the state. Just think about the relationship to your fellow poor person. Well, is it any wonder that um, on the other side of the same coin, uh, enrollment in churches 
of all stripes across the United States, and I'm, I, I don't have the data on the rest of the world, but I have to imagine it's pretty similar, is up. People mm. are joining religions faster than ever, and huh. n- not even necessarily the ones you would expect. Like, yeah, people are converting to Catholicism and all that, you know, goofy normie <laughs> shit. But, like, people are joining Scientology faster than before. People are really? joining wow. the Mormons faster than before. People are joining those, like, weird fringe cult churches where they, like, bring guns in and and pray with the guns, you know, faster <laughs> than ever before. And people are, are straight up just fucking inventing religions out of thin air. Like, that's the cool thing to do now if you're a celebrity is, like, start a pseudo cult that's kind of a joke. And then once you realize how profitable it is, just stop joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Jared Leto. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Like Jerry Lita or Kanye tried, but he was kind of not together enough to pull it off, but he gave yeah. it a go, you know? That's true. He was trying to, what, like the Church of Donda or something mm-hmm. was going to be his his thing? Yeah, I feel like he was, the The problem is that I, I don't, it was less clear that he was trying to grift. I feel like your average cult joiner, it's like, they need to see just a little bit of snake oil salesman in the, mm-hmm. like, the perpetrator to be like, okay, I see what's going on. But Kanye just seemed like he was fully, like... He was Try- serious. He was just like, I've seen <laughs> visions of a of of heaven, and I'm going to make a church or something. And people are like, it was a little too out there. I mean, he was so into it, it felt like a like a press release. It felt like an announcement, you know, mm-hmm. where he was like, he he may as well have played like celebration in the background and come out dancing onto the stage to <laughs> announce what he was doing. Like that that was <laughs> the earnest. kind of energy it had. Because yeah, yeah. like Kanye is too much of a salesman for me to ever like take him ser- or I think for most people to take him seriously as like a religious figure compared to Jared Leto, who is like exactly creepy enough. He is yeah. just yeah, yeah. the right level of like, there's something deeply wrong with this man that the right or wrong, I guess, <laughs> depending on how you look at it, kind of person could definitely form like a terrible parasocial bond with him. <laughs> Absolutely. People definitely do. It's yeah. so weird. And I think, I think it, it is exactly. Oh, and the Nexium uh, cult. I should have mentioned them too. Oh, right. The oh, Nexium yeah. cult. Mm-hmm. Forgot about those who, people. Who is, who is running that? Like a few people from Smallville or something? <laughs> I think she, the, the, the girl from Smallville was in it. The okay. blonde girl. But she wasn't running it? She was just a member? I think no, she was, she was pretty just high a up, member, but yeah. she, okay. was a mem- she was just a member. Yeah. I see. Um, no, I think, that, I think that's exactly the plan, though. Like if you... God, I'm trying to like formulate this idea, but like I, I feel like... I feel like if you give people hedonism and the, mm-hmm. like quote unquote freedom where no one's impeding your ability to like do drugs, I guess, or like, you know, as a white person, you know, like, you know, one's like saying you can't smoke weed, you can't go party on the weekend, you can't. You know, you can do whatever you want with your free time or whatever. Right, but you don't have anything. You don't have health don't, or security. Or, right. Like, yeah. You get to the middle of your life and you're just like, what is the point of life? Like, I mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. And all I want to do is just sleep. That's why I slogged through all that fucking Hegel. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I feel like people are just begging for fascism. Like they're yeah. just like begging for an organization to tell them that they have to protect something true and, and real. Um, and it's being attacked by people that they can beat being queer people mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, candy makers or whatever. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't you know. You can't fight big M&M, Bryn. That's not possible. 
<laughs> Mars Corporation? Absolutely not. Who's their parent company anyway? Or do they own themselves? I think Mars is one of like the biggest corporations in the world. I think, they really? yeah, I think it's just Mars. I'm pretty sure. The but Mars family owns Mars Inc., one of the world's largest candy and pet food companies. And pet food? Pet food? With yeah, sales they of $40 billion. Of dollars. Holy shit. They're huge. Yeah, they're ma- fucking ma- enormous. And they're old, too. They're from like 1911. Mm. Yeah. And they make all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah. 1920. And then Hershey was founded by Milton Hershey in 1894. So, yeah. They, they the, make the chocolate um, rivalry is, is uh, 100 years old. <laughs> Wait, who's the rival? Uh, Milton Hershey. They also Milton make Hershey Uncle, and Forest Mars. They also make Uncle Ben's rice. Who Mars? <laughs> what? Yeah, they make mm-hmm. that. The, basically, uh, oh yeah, Dove chocolate. What is this pet care shit? This is this is news to me. Are they putting candy in the pet food? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, they make they make warheads for dogs. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they make pedigree. They make kind bars. They make kind bars. Yeah, dude. I mean, dog food. <laughs> <laughs> They're making up all the ingredients. They're mixing them up. There's great F meat and kind bars. Tell your friend. <laughs> wow, they 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 made a, a genetic test for dogs where you swab their cheek to. I guess it's like fucking. Right, uh, what are this. they? The fucking Yamaha of like food stuff. Twenty three like, and me. Yeah. Yamaha is the craziest corporation because they're like, would you like a piano? <laughs> no. How about a motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> In uh the in the Wikipedia tab criticism, there is a oh <laughs> there is a header uh called child labor and slave labor. And why don't you guess from when that's from? Uh, two years ago, about <laughs> yeah. child labor yeah. in Africa, probably like for, for chocolate, right? Like a lot of chocolate picking is done in twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Chocolate companies are so evil. It's like fucking clockwork that like every few years there's a major lawsuit that probably is barely the tip of the iceberg in terms of the actual crimes they perpetrate. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've covered, a like, not to diminish the severity of child labor and slave labor. Those are truly awful. But just to show how far the absurdity goes, we covered, I think, a year or two ago, an article about them using monkey labor to mm-hmm. get monkey their chocolate. Monkey labor? Yeah. It I, might have, been, I forgot about that. It might have been coconut farmers, but I think <laughs> it was I think it was cocoa farmers. I'm, I don't remember 100% clearly. Like, they had, wow. they had trained monkey slaves to, like, pick the coconuts? Yeah. And they're oh, like, yeah. you don't even have to pay them. They barely even eat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> like, yeah. This kind of stuff is what makes it so funny to me when people are like, if you even think about playing the new Harry Potter game, you're basically killing every transfer <laughs> that you've ever met. And it's like, what if you buy a fucking chocolate bar? What if you buy anything? Yeah. It, it's all yeah. bad. It's all Look, fucking... Cho- and it's like, it's one of those things where it's so hard to like break through the membrane to people. Mm-hmm. Like... You can't say to somebody, like, did you know everything you own is, like, made with child slavery? Mm-hmm. They're just like, what? That's I not mean, true. This was like, literally you one... Won't, you won't process that. You won't think of it as, like, any... It won't color your imagination or your understanding of the world. Like, the way power works is not colored by that because it simply slips off of your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't go through your life knowing that the entire... Your entire life is based on the exploitation of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's literally one of the major plot points of one of the most popular TV shows to come out in the last five years, The Good Place, where there's, like, a section... Because, you know, they're all in... Oh, have yeah. you seen it? 
I, yeah, I mean, yeah, we saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're all in the afterlife and they seek out like the guy who did everything right. The guy who like, he, I think he lived somewhere in Canada <laughs> yeah. and he like never stepped on a bug. He would give his clothes away to anyone who needed them anytime. And it was still structurally impossible for him to earn enough points to go to the good place. And it's like, right. that is a that is a one-to-one critique of the structure of capitalism and global markets and imperialism and exploitation. Like it's all baked in there. You can't go to Starbucks. You can't go anywhere. You can't buy anything without contributing to exploitation. And after everybody got done watching the show, they were like, man, that was incredible. I can't wait to get a t-shirt. And everyone at the Starbucks is going <laughs> to love my Good Place t-shirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my Jeremy Barami shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I love that creator's other TV show about how fun and zany cops are. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Is that the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Brooklyn, guy? Yeah, Mike Schur is the same guy, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, well, that it's such an interesting show because it's like their solution to that, you know, and I mean, I love the show. I thought it was a great show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to critique the show because I don't even really remember it enough to the like... The way it handled philosophy was not 100% yeah, yeah, I'm not, accurate. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that, but yeah, I do think it's... Tell- a little reductive. I do think it's I do think it's an interesting reflection that the point of the show was to change the rules. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, well, people can't behave that way, so you you have to change the rules to let other people in. Like, they had mm-hmm. to change the afterlife, and then you could like decide when you went when you like died, died. Remember like that's mm-hmm. the end of the show where they like changed the afterlife to where like everyone could get in basically. Right. Well, yeah. Didn't they, they, they realized like, once they actually got to the good place, they realized that uh, the people running it didn't know how to make, keep people there happy because they would like run out of stuff to do and like get bored. And so they decided to invent a way to like actually die and have your spirit get erased. Right. So it ends up being like more of a personal commentary on like individual like uh, well, it was, acceptance it, of death. It mm-hmm. was like an. I have read it as like an overcoming of alienation. Like mm-hmm. when you were finally kind of square with the universe, you got yeah. to like check out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was. I thought it was kind of nice, but I thought it was ultimately like pretty idealistic. I think if you're going to write an afterlife, it would be interesting to just have endless contradiction because that's how regular life is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is that like while it's an interesting concept, they mm-hmm. like kind of they kind of undermine their own point about like the world is so deeply evil that you can't be a good, or that if you, if you, if you base your morality on what your own actions are, then you will never be good because you're always complicit in something evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of saying, well, who would make the world so evil? They're just like, well, that's a bad moral stance. Right. And yeah. it's like, well, okay, yes, but maybe go a little farther is all I'm saying. Really a deeply <laughs> Kantian show in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could use a little dialectic. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of things that we have uh, criticisms of, I saw the menu recently. Have you guys seen the menu? No, everyone I, I know has told me how bad it is. I fucking oh, hated it. Oh, good. People are telling you it's bad? All I see on the internet for it is love. Jeremy so. told me it's bad. Oh really? Okay. Chris, yeah. Chris Johns told me it sucked, and okay. he was like, and he had similar. It's funny. My friend Chris is like my friend Chris. Uh, you know, when I met him, was a very and like a political person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think just from hanging out with me for almost like half a decade, has become like pretty key, like pretty. Uh, he's got a good head on that guy, but he like watched and he was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> what is this? What were your what was your reaction?" 
I, it just feels like it's supposed to be like in a really cheap and stupid way, like a pro worker movie, like all these bourgeois fucks getting their kind of like mm-hmm. comeuppance. But uh, the way that the workers in it are actually portrayed are as like a hive mind of cult members. <laughs> and yes. uh, it's it's just a really stupid and petty and condescending revenge fantasy that is not rooted in any kind of fucking materialism i think mm-hmm. it misrepresents what the working class is and does what the bourgeoisie is and does and it deeply personalizes the entire narrative throughout the film which undercuts any of the social commentary that it's trying to make and mm-hmm. also the chef guy was clearly written for kevin spacey and i i resent it deeply and 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 third <laughs> one of the guys who wrote that movie i found out later after i had already decided i hate it so don't don't tell me that this was a factor in me not liking the movie turns out that's the same <laughs> asshole that writes succession the worst fucking show in the world <laughs> <laughs> i haven't watched succession yet i don't know yeah i would i either. would just not <laughs> just miss it yeah yeah it's funny because uh, a friend of ours recently saw triangle of sadness and was telling us is what it was called triangle of triangle of sadness oh, there's what it's called okay ruben Ostlund. and and he his critique of that was like kind of similar to that because that's like a movie where i think it's like a cruise ship crashes on a like deserted island and then a bunch of like rich people and then also the people who like work on the ship have to survive and sort mm-hmm. of like the roles shift because this lady who cleans toilets on the ship is like better prepared to survive than all of the like dumb rich people. But he said it was just sort of like very ham fisted and obvious. And it just made me realize that like, like at some point a few years ago, I think a lot of producers and like people in Hollywood were like, if you take a movie and give it some kind of any kind of angle, Class that's analysis. like this is about rich people and how they're the fucking worst then we can market it and millennials will be like, ooh, a hot new anti-rich people movie. And it doesn't actually have to say anything or be good. Well, those films always end up being from the perspective of the rich people. Like, that's what I felt watching the menu is like, this Mm -hmm. isn't Mm -hmm. a revenge film for the working class. This is a horror movie for the wealthy. Who are mm. like, oh no! Oh, yeah. What if an ang- what if angry workers fucking murdered me? That would be so scary. It's it's literally just like watching Saw for anybody else. It's like, <laughs> what if I was locked in a room? Except for the anxieties of the bourgeoisie, right? And mm. I, 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 we actually, there's two things on generation loss. Uh, we came across this weird article, um, written by maybe a child, like it was like a mm. college student. It was very poorly written. It's on this like new sort of. You remember Dazed? Yeah, oh, that, ten, ten reasons why Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, but, but it it was it's like the the Gen Z like really hip. It's like some really hip magazine. I can't okay. remember what it's called. A webzine. But it, I think they have a real one. Really? It's, wow. Um, Printed on paper. Does Gen Z even know how to freaking operate a magazine? <laughs> but but it was about like why are all movies eat the rich movies now. Okay. And like, there was no analysis whatsoever. It was just like, isn't it weird how there's class analysis in movies now? I think it's boring. I'm actually yeah. bored by it <laughs> now. Um, it's not cool anymore. Yeah, um, there was no class analysis in the, the films I watched growing up, such as Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why can't they make <laughs> class-free movies like Casino yeah. or yeah. The Aladdin. Godfather <laughs> Aladdin <laughs> Apocalypse Now yeah. uh, <laughs> No ruling class in those movies no Wall sorry. Street yeah. uh, <laughs> um, No, but I, it, it is interesting because you know if there's one good thing from Cracked Remember Cracked? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I still one... follow Soren Bowie on Twitter. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, funny guy. <laughs> uh, one thing that Jack O'Brien used to always say that I, li- I still like is like media like ma- mainstream media is like a dream that culture is having with itself um mm-hmm. and i think that's true because it, it 
it's because, but it gets twisted, right? Like there's, there's all of these things where it's like people want to see something that they can look at and be like, that's based, you know, (laughs) they want to be like that agrees with what I think Mm -hmm. because they, they're completely starved for it. Mm -hmm. Like most, I feel like, I don't even think it's fair to say quote unquote millennials, like lots of people are like much more left leaning than the culture they live in. And by left leaning, I mean communist, like mm -hmm. they are much more uninterested in the free market and capitalism. They're anti more anti-capitalist at least. And it's just like, they're completely starved for that kind of media. Yeah, I mean, my dad's basically a Republican, and when I ask him what he wants to do with his retirement, he's like, you know, I just want to settle down and figure out how to take care of other people. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yeah, Dad, that's the greatest impulse I've ever heard you talk about <laughs> in your life. Like, <laughs> you're almost 65. <laughs> right, and it's like, I, I mean, it is entertainment, right? Like, we're talking about just entertainment, but like... Mm-hmm. People want to see their beliefs reflected at them so that they continue thinking about them. Yeah. Um, and so they flock to things like knives out and and glass onion and I don't I don't know what other triangle of sadness. White Lotus, um, I feel like maybe started the trend a little bit the first season White of White Lotus. Lotus. The thing about White Lotus though is like I feel like it has a little bit of self-awareness and what I would call good writing that the other I like, ones yeah, don't yeah, have. I like. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first season of that it, it show is great. I Partially because it like is about the it's about like rich people and poor people. It's about mm-hmm. like the people who work at the White Lotus too. Well, the tension in that show feels real. It doesn't right. feel yeah. like f- contrived or like a fever dream had by a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I feel like that. It, sh- it just like creates character tension that's based on the contradictions of capitalism, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's also not really new. Like mm-hmm. we had Office Space when we were younger. We mm-hmm. had like lots of Gen X slacker kind of clerks. Kind oh, what of about stuff. a fucking Christmas story? Oh yeah, my god, exactly. that whole movie is about owing the bank money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Oh, people, it's a wonderful. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I oh, get yeah, all those Christmas. old ones mixed up. Which yeah. one's the puppets? <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Story is the one where he wants the BB gun. I think. Oh, yeah. okay. That's about kids. Yeah, there's not and a I lot mean, of class even... analysis in movies about kids. Usually, more about bullying. Yeah, <laughs> but even like maybe in like that Richie Rich. No, what? Not Richie Rich. What is it? Richie Blank Rich? check. Blank check. Blank check. Or where Annie. He realized... What about fucking Annie? Yeah. Yeah. It's about a poor kid. <laughs> I mean, so much of American. You know, and and this is why it's funny. Growing up, I remember people being like, "Oh, the liberal Hollywood or whatever." But like when I was growing up, it was just like Rambo and Terminator and shit. And I was just like, mm-hmm. "What do you mean? Like, yeah. what are we talking about?" <laughs> liberal like, Hollywood actors such as Ronald Reagan and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there was like there really was a history of Hollywood being like a a, a very red communist sort mm-hmm. of sympathetic uh, people. They just you know got all those people out of there. Yeah, they blacklisted them. <laughs> they yeah. blacklisted them. Um, but if you can go back and watch a lot of, especially this in this from like the 40s to the 70s, like lots of people really coding their fucking movies with some pretty radical things. And then it kind of went away for a while because of backlash or, or mm-hmm. censorship. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that I feel like I, I watched the spook who sat by the, uh, the spook who sat, uh, sat by the door. Yeah. Which was just like, it's just a movie that is just a blueprint of how to create a protracted people's war mm-hmm. uh, in America. <laughs> it's really insane that that movie got made. I it, can see why they like buried it. It extremely was banned when it came out. But it Which was one a, is it? It's called The Spook Who Sat By The Door, and it's about uh, the first black CIA agent who 
is uh, he becomes a CIA agent to learn about like the Viet Cong and how like they're winning the war. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Chicago and organizes um, a Black Panthers style militia and then takes over the country. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty insane. Yeah, he, he's it's, like, wow. it was released in 1973 and it's fucking insane. Yeah, like he, he, it he's... was banned by like it was not allowed to play in theaters and stuff. It, it was great. It's great. He, great. He's hired as like <laughs> they, they, they realize they need to do. There's like a senator who's like, oh, no, I'm going to lose reelection because they people think black people don't want to vote for me we should have them hire a black guy for the CIA. So there's a whole process where like dozens of like highly qualified applicants are like screened through and the sort of big wig bosses are like, ideally we can have not any of these guys pass, but there's one guy who's like so good and overachieving in every category that they like have to hire him. And then they basically stick him in the uh, copy room. They're like, you're going to be the chief section officer for top secret reproduction. So he's just like photocopying things and they have him give (laughs) tours and stuff. And after like a few years, he realizes he's just there as the token black guy. And I mean, he, he knows that. Yeah, yeah. He he realizes that. And then he just quits and moves to Chicago and meets this like a sort of like local gang of black kids and then just like trains them to fight cops and uh well it's also organize a guerrilla army. He, he was in, he was in that gang before. Oh, right, when he was younger. When he was younger. So he like realized he was gonna need a bunch of information and training mm-hmm. and then goes, joins the CIA five years just to go back and Train, train oh, right. everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But you got to yeah. keep that you were in the gang before under wraps. For sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's crazy. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, there's a point at which it kind of stops being entertainment and yeah. being like propaganda. For sure. And I think mm-hmm. that people want that kind of propaganda. Like people are really starved for something of like, what can I do? And I think if if we if no one who is a communist creates that stuff everyone who has that sense inside of them is going to go to Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. yeah well like, let's yeah. Let, let's throw the rest of the notes out now cuz this is really fucking interesting and i was thinking about this today actually because uh i think a lot about like what leftist content needs to look like how we create our own you know people talk a lot about counter hegemony yada 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 and i wonder like is a lot of stuff that's supposed to be leftist or like leftist inspired or like motivating people to to be more left or communist or whatever is it not too like self-serious sometimes and does it not necessarily like doesn't it fall into a lot of the same traps yeah of traditional mm-hmm. like hegemonic uh film like the one of the only recent movies i can think of that really gets outside of that is like sorry to bother you yeah, and I mm-hmm. feel like Boots Riley really accomplishes that by throwing in a healthy dose of absurdism, so yeah. that mm-hmm. like he can get past the censors and also keep the viewer on their toes while he's trying to deliver this kind of like information, and also like distract you with Army Hammer's ridiculously shaped face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually just speaking of like quote unquote leftist media. I was I was just watching uh, an FD signifier video where he was talking about. Uh, like YouTubers and 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 what is the left on the online left and stuff and, and I think it's really easy to be like, well, it's all doesn't matter, none of it matters, it's mm-hmm. all stupid. And I mean, like to a certain extent, that's true. But like a lot of what throughout history has been, you know, what we call why the word is completely slipping my mind. Um, 
theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What we call theory is often just you know people writing brochures and selling you know like mm-hmm. Lenin mm-hmm. was just writing letters and being like yeah. dunking on people on in the on what were basically bulletin board forums you know like they were mm-hmm. just like arguing back and forth with publishing yeah, little yeah. pamphlets and stuff so it's like that it, it, it's it's in a terrible state right now but like the media we have I do think is functional should be important it isn't right now it's mostly just media analysis and we're mm. not organized. There is no left in America that, you know, there's no organized left. Mm. There's no communist organization that is doing anything. But to say that, I think, I think what, my, what I'm trying to say is that I think people, shy, sh- it's so bad right now that people shy away from critiquing it or trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. And they think that it is not useful. And I think that's, incorrect well that's interesting because so many people on the left are also diy artists and musicians and i can't imagine a scene or a subculture that is in as as dire of straits as those things so (laughs) I, i feel like if if you're like me it seems like correcting the social climate in the country is way easier than figuring out how to get shows with four bands that everybody actually wants to fucking see. (laughs) (laughs) I have to agree. It's a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It is a nightmare. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just think that, that there's a, there's this huge space and I mean, it's hard not to think of it in sort of like capitalist terms or whatever, but like there is a market, right? Like there's, I guess, you will be, people are kind of twisting themselves and contorting themselves to get views because the entirety of media is based around like this meritocracy, right? And you have to like solve the algorithm to get Mm -hmm. some sort of success to be able to continue to do it. Um, Yeah. The, 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 the imperative of capitalism right now is become addictive. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're so so they're trying to like be like how one piece is secretly about how Stalin is cool or whatever like it, <laughs> Oh god, I they wish have that to, were true. They have to like <laughs> they have to coat their commentary and ideas in bullshit that doesn't matter mm-hmm, just right. so that they can like pierce through those algorithms or those mm. those that system that they're working in. Um I never thought about that that that's why so many people are like the hidden communist message in My Little Pony. You have, like, you literally have to, or you won't be seen. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you make sure it's twelve paragraphs long, it'll get four hundred thousand shares on Facebook. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like it's like people are doing all these things, but I think just like fiction that is functionally propaganda online is this weird pocket that doesn't exist but could exist, and I think punch through some whatever the robot decides that you should see and Mm -hmm. inspire people to do things. And I think what's important now is not just constant commentary on who fucked up on Twitter or like what's going on on, you know, who's to laugh at or who is the thing that FD signifier was saying, like all of left media right now you know, socialist media. I hate saying left nowadays, <laughs> but all media now is like looking at people who are wrong and then explaining to your audience why they're wrong. 
Right. Um, and it's maybe of, just like say something original in the first place. Or just say something that you should do. Say something right. that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, why not be correct? Be right instead of left. And that's that. why that's why BP Vledis is proud to announce the launch of my first book, Communist Koala with a Gun. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. Uh. He does a lot of stuff you're going to want to emulate in this book, but not eating eucalyptus leaves. They're toxic to humans. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, the koalas make them look so tasty. (laughs) They smell so minty and nice. (laughs) Don't do it. Beef, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Beef. Well, before we get out of here, let's do something funny um, and skip all the way to the end of the notes, just because there is a Reuters blurb here uh, about about a pro tennis player named. Alexander Zverev, who was in Australia to play a tennis match. And I'm just going to read the article in an Australian accent because it kind of demands it. And it's really short. So here's the article. It says, Melbourne circling seagulls took aim at Alexander Zverev at the Australian Open on Thursday, making a mess of the Germans' trademark blonde locks during a shock (laughs) defeat by Michael Moe. The former world number two, who's making his way back from serious injury, was a set to the good when the pesky bird unleashed a dollop <laughs> of poo on his head. Pesky Realizing bird. what it was, Zverev offered a wry smile and walked to the chair where he used his towel to remove the offending excrement to laughter from the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> is, is set to the good uh, some kind of Australian tennis phrase or is that just like a general phrase in tennis that I means think something? It, I think in other countries you would say he was like a set up or a head by a set, but in Australia oh. they're like, he's a set to the good, mate. He's on the good <laughs> side the of good. a set there. Woke <laughs> up on the right side of the set. He did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like also a wry smile is a, off with a wry smile. Walked to the chair where he used his towel. <laughs> Feels very Australian to me. Yeah, it was some absolute goofball shit. So I just read that and I chuckled today and I wanted to share it. So... Thank you all so much for listening to Beep Beep Lettuce. We really appreciate you. If you want to help the show a little bit more, you can support us on Patreon and get twice as many episodes. You can listen mm-hmm. to my other show, Work Stoppage, Bryn's other show, Generation Loss, and you can check out Todd's shop, Doomer.shop. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Stay high. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm a
me poppin'. 